You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. We're in a series that we're walking through the book of 1 Corinthians, and uh, Paul the Apostle wrote a letter to the church that was in Corinth. And it was a church that was experiencing a lot of division, uh, just a lot of uh, things that were going on, a lot of moving parts, and they kind of had begun to take a left-hand turn spiritually. They kind of began majoring on the minors. Churches are apt to do that, are we not? We tend to do that if we're not careful to kind of get off on tangents and forget what the main thing really is all about. And so we're in the early stages of looking at that letter and uh, because we want to be careful that we don't fall into tangents and we don't start taking some left-hand turns spiritually. And, and I'm grateful that our church is a unified church, and I want to help us keep us that way. And so uh, this morning we're going to see that uh, as we look at the Scripture, that it's easy, the church at Corinth, it's easy to, to, to miss the focus as Jesus. And we've been looking at that the last couple of weeks. Paul has been kind of bringing them back. And he says, guys, you're focused so much on all. Everybody's kind of got their own wisdom and their own thing. And you've got a lot of personality stepping up. But, hey, let's get back. This is really all about Jesus. And this is really not just about Jesus, but it's about the fact that Jesus came and he died on the cross for us. And we have a, an eternal relationship with him. That's what it's all about simply. And this morning, what we're going to discover is that Paul goes a little bit further than that. And he explains to us just how that, our relationship with Jesus works with the Holy Spirit in our life. You know, if you've been in churches very much at all, you've heard probably a lot about Jesus one way or the other, right? We all know about, that, about him and, and about him dying on the cross. And uh, we know about the fact that we're sinners and that we need him as Lord of our life. But if we're not careful, we don't understand exactly who the Holy Spirit is. And the Holy Spirit comes into our life the moment that we surrender our life to Christ. And he's the one that makes Jesus real to us. He's the one that, that makes this, um, this whole thing work. And so this morning, Paul is going to be sharing with us just exactly who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in our life. So read with me, if you would, in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. We'll look at verse 1. The Bible says this, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul says, guys, I'm keeping it simple. He said this in chapter 1. Obviously, they're struggling to get it, and he's saying it again in chapter 2. He's like, guys, this is all about Jesus. I didn't come trying to impress you with all of my knowledge. I didn't give you my titles and all of my doctorates that I've got. I didn't come using big fancy words that make no sense and go right over your head. I just came talking with simple words about who Jesus is all about and that he died for us. In verse 3, he says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. He said, I didn't focus on a lot of heavy logic and all of this and putting my hope there. But he said, but it was in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your, and here's why, that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This morning, we're going to see that when it comes to our faith in Jesus Christ, 
It's not something we well up in our hearts, like the little engine that could, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. You've all been at that point, right? Like, I don't know, do I really believe? I, I want to believe. It's not something we well in our hearts. It's not something that we listen to somebody who's really persuasive and like, wow, yeah, that makes sense. And then we walk away two days later like, what in the world are they talking about? You've all done that with salesmen, right? You've gone and bought the line, bought the car, bought the whatever, and then afterwards you're like, well, that was really dumb. Why did I do that? You know, or maybe your spouse told you that, like, yeah, that really was not a smart move. That's more how it rolls, you know, and I'm like, yep, that was me, babe. I absolutely did blow that. What Paul is telling us this morning is that our faith is not based on the wisdom of someone. It's not based on something that we do. It's based in the power of an almighty God in heaven who sent his son Jesus to die, but who secondly sends the Holy Spirit in a demonstration of power and presence in our life. That's why uh, uh, we talk about a relationship with Jesus. It's not just a faith of what we believe in, but it's a relationship with Him. So let me pray and let's ask God to speak into our lives today. Father, I am grateful for your love. I'm grateful for your grace. We're grateful for the Holy Spirit who is real and alive. We don't see Him just as Jesus told John that, uh, that he's like the wind. We can't see the wind, but we see the effects of it. And Father, I pray that you would help us to have an understanding, and not just an understanding in our head, but a life-change experience as those truths bear out in our life. Father, help us to know you, I pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. So three things that I want us to, to look at, what Paul really focuses on is the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life and in salvation. And the first thing is, is that the Holy Spirit is the power. It's the power of God. He's powerful in our salvation. Paul says, guys, I didn't come to you speaking eloquent words. I wasn't trying to impress you. I wasn't, you know, like a politician on the stump, you know, trying to convince you that my way, my plan, you know, was right. And he's like, your faith is not in any invention of me. Paul was actually being accused by some people saying, oh, he's a simpleton. There were some people in the church who were kind of dissing him and talking down on him, maybe more than talking trash. They were just really downing him. And Paul was like, look, I wasn't trying to impress anybody with how much I knew. Quite the opposite. I was trying to be really simple and really plain because I wanted your faith to not be in me, I wanted your faith to be in God, that God the Holy Spirit was doing something in your life powerfully to transform you. Your faith is not in the eloquence of a person. Your faith is not in the well-written document or a book or something of that. Your faith is in a God in heaven who is real and exists and who sent his son Jesus to die. But your faith is even more than that. There's a supernatural relationship when a person trusts Jesus as Lord. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings a conviction and a power and a presence in that individual's life. Think about it. You know, we've all seen those uh, like kids when they do like their little science 
infrastructure projects and they make the volcanoes, right? Have you ever watched the YouTube videos? You take the Coke, you know, you throw a bunch of Mentos in it and shake it up. And, you know, when those go wrong, it's always funny. It's definitely on YouTube. So there is something that goes on when the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life that just you shake the bottle and there is an amazing, an amazing explosion of faith, of belief, of a relationship, of knowing of Christ in that person's life. And Paul is saying, look, this is not about me, and it's definitely not about all these words of wisdom that you guys are floating around your church that are just causing division. Instead, it's about Jesus Christ who died for us and that Holy Spirit who came into your life and made that real. Now, because of that, there's several implications that you and I need to know. Number one, it means that you and I, when we're trying to share with our friends and our family and our neighbors about who Jesus is and what he's done for our life, it means that you can't mess it up. So many people have said, well, I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. I don't want to push somebody away. I don't want to do all this. I want to mess it up, do all of that. And can I just tell you, you're giving yourself way too much credit and you're taking way too much credit away from God. Like, God doesn't need us, and you really can't mess it up. You can't, because ultimately that salvation is the power of God through the Holy Spirit in a person's life. You're never going to be smart enough. You're never going to know enough answers. You're never going to be logic enough. You're never going to be able to argue enough or present. I made that mistake earlier in my thinking, well, if I can just explain this really well, if I can just prove this point, if I can just speak this, and they'll get it, and they'll believe, and all of that. And, and of course, I knew that, you know, salvation was God. But can I just tell you, ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit who's going to do His thing, so you can't mess it up. That should embolden us. It should at least free us to not worry so much about it, but to simply just trust in what God is up to and the Holy Spirit in our life, right? You can't mess it up. Second thing that it means, not only does it mean that we can't mess it up, but it means that when you and I are engaging with people and we're looking at family and friends, it means that we should be looking for the activity of God in a person's life. See, Paul has been explaining this, and he's saying, look, guys, this stuff is hidden. Nobody can figure this out. And when we see somebody beginning to think about spiritual things, when we somebody, see somebody beginning to be convicted of sin, when we see somebody becoming interested in the things of God, we need to realize it's like watching the trees blowing in the wind. It's not that somebody is sitting back saying, hmm, I think I'm going to figure all of this out. Actually, we're watching the invisible hand of God reaching down from heaven through the Holy Spirit into that person's life and doing something amazing. When I was 13, I had been brought up in church. I'd been in church for most of my life at that point, at least as long as I could remember. But when I was 13, things began changing. And I realized, like I knew their sin was real. I knew Jesus had died. I knew he rose again. I knew all of the facts, right? Faith is not believing facts. Faith is receiving a living Lord and surrendering your life to him. And in that moment, in that little time when I was 13, I began to be deeply convicted. I mean, to the point where I was even afraid. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm in, I'm in trouble. If God comes back right now, I, I'm in a world of hurt. You know, kind of like the kid when he gets his hand caught in the cookie jar, or much worse. Like, what am I going to do with mom and dad? Oh no, I'm in trouble or whatever. And, and looking back, that's what God was doing. He was pressing in on my soul, and he was drawing me to him. 
And it was through that that it caused me to begin seeking him and to really begin asking those questions, where am I spiritually? And in the process of that, I became convinced that even though I was a pretty good kid, uh, that I needed a relationship with Christ. And I surrendered my life. I admitted my sins, whatever little bit I had done by that age. And I uh, confessed that. And I said, God, please, I don't want to do that anymore. I trust Jesus that he died for me. From my perspective... That was all me. But from God's perspective, the Holy Spirit was invisibly coming in power, reaching down into my heart, revealing Himself to me. So you and I, as people who care about those around us that need Christ, if you see anybody who's at all beginning to ask questions about where you go to church, who are beginning to ask you about spiritual things, beginning to take those steps, you need to be encouraged that you're watching the Holy Spirit of God work in their life. You're beginning to see that. Third little implication on top of this it means that nobody that you care about is too far gone yet. How many of you have somebody that you have thought before that you care about, like, yeah, that's, they, there's no hope for them. They can't possibly. They're just hardened. They're just too whatever, too, too much this, too much that, beyond hope, all of that. Can I tell you, if it was up to you and me, if we were having to do the heavy lifting ourselves, yeah, none of us are strong enough, none of us are smart enough, none of us can convince the human heart to do that. But nobody is beyond the reach and the ability of the Holy Spirit working in a person's So have hope, continue to pray and engage, and to recognize that this is a spiritual thing that's going on. And let's live our life in such a way that recognizes, just like Paul, we don't have to know everything. In fact, I'll tell you a secret. If you think you know everything and you approach this too smart, you'll mess it up. You really will. You know, when you teach somebody how to drive, you don't need a person who's got a PhD in driving to explain to you all of the mechanics and the angles and the vectors and be careful that you don't. You just need somebody to say, like, turn the key. Here's the brake. Turn it. You don't need to know all the mechanics that goes on in that, right? You don't. In fact, if you try to explain it, the person's going to be like, I'll never drive. It's too hard. I think I'll just take the bus or, you know, or bum right off mom and dad for the rest of my life. We're not going to do it. So it's actually better if you don't have all of the stuff down. I'm not saying, I'm not dumbing you down, all right? But just, you know, just keep it simple. Paul said, I just came knowing Jesus. Second thing, why the Holy Spirit is so significant in our life. Not only is he, the Holy Spirit, the power of God in our life, the, the power of salvation, he's the one that actuates it. He's the one that makes it go, if you will, that brings it a reality into our heart, into our life. But he's also the revealer in our salvation. I alluded to it a minute ago, but he's the one who reveals us to all this stuff that's going on. Look what he says, Paul says in, in verse 6, he says this, Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. You know what Paul is saying, like, okay, I've been simplifying this so much, I don't want you to think that I think that I'm an idiot and I'm just making this simple. He's like, we are speaking wisdom to people who, who are mature, who know Christ and who, who get it, who are walking around in, in wisdom, true wisdom. He says, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God 
which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. I mean, if you knew who Jesus was, would you have put him on the cross? I wouldn't have, and they wouldn't have either. But it was good that he died on the cross. That's the crazy oxymoron kind of thing. In verse 9, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through who? The Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Here's why this is so amazing. How many of you have ever struggled to just be like, God, I don't understand. I don't get it. Like, why? How many of you just truly, you know, at some point just... I just, I don't understand why you either let this happen. I don't understand this truth. What's going on? I mean, I've struggled. I'm like, God, why is this so hard? The Holy Spirit is the one, the Bible says, who searches the depths of God. If you've ever wondered, heaven is going to be for an eternity. And you ever wonder what you're going to be doing there? You're not going to be sitting back and playing harps or watching the angels or sitting on clouds, and it, probably, and it has definitely nothing to do with toilet paper. You know, you've seen the commercials with angels and all of that, but it is, you know, none of that. I, we don't know exactly what we're going to be doing, but I want you to realize this. God is such an infinite God that for all of eternity, we will still be growing and understanding more and more and plumbing the depths of His glory and of His infinity. We will never come to the end of that. It's for the mathematicians in the room. It's kind of like pie, right? Pie supposedly never ends. Not the pie you eat. Some of you went to food. I'm talking math pie, all right? Pie never ends numerically, right? Am I right, Mr. Math Teacher? It's going to be kind of like that. It'll just keep going on and on and on. And the Holy Spirit is the one who's already plumbed to the bottom of it, but there is no bottom. And He is the one who is revealing to you and to me all of those incredible truths, all the deep things of God. For the feelers in the room, this is why sometimes we, we feel the presence of God. It's through the Holy Spirit. It's through God speaking into our heart directly, taking His word of truth and revealing that to us. It's an amazing thing. This is, a, this is the living part of our faith. This is the, the reality. This is way more than just 2,000-year-old words on a piece of paper that just like, well, that's really neat. That's amazing. Or, oh, I'd rather believe in that, you know, or, or else I'm going to be in trouble. It's through the Holy Spirit revealing to us the very person of God deep into our heart. Because ultimately, as he just told us, no eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard the kinds of things that God wants to do in our life. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how this is. When Jesus died on the cross, he rose again, and 50 days later, you know, he ascends to heaven, or he ascends to heaven, and 50 days later, Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit comes, and Jesus is there in heaven. But he said, I'm not going to leave you like an orphan. I'm going to send another comforter, talking about the Holy Spirit. So, in a very real way, the Holy Spirit is now taking 
the responsibility that Jesus did on this earth in, the, in, in, a, in a bodily form, the Holy Spirit is at work globe over, and he's revealing into our lives the truths and the very depths of God. You see, we have a living, vital relationship, not an abstract faith, not a religion that we adhere to. We have a relationship with the Lord, the God of, of heaven, who's revealing those things deeply into our heart. Now, he does it ultimately. He's qualified because he is God and has plumbed the depths of God, but he does it ultimately through God's word. There's two ways you and I understand this level of truth. It's not sitting somewhere in a, uh, out on a beautiful mountain view, watching the sunset and meditating and going home and trying to understand the depths of the world. Sorry, doesn't happen. In fact, you might understand some pretty bad, ugly things in that way. Some evil things might come check you out if you get into that world. What this is, it's the Holy Spirit takes the truths of God's Word, which are eternal, and somehow, and again, it's that chemical reaction explosion, those things become real in our life. And they're not just words on a page, they're just something that's real inside of us, that, that we believe, and it changes us. And it's He is the one who's revealing that, teaching those things to us way, way deeper than any uh, school teacher could ever teach. Much deeper. Down into our soul, if you will. He's the great revealer of all things. So I want to challenge you. Implication for your life and for my life is make sure that you don't relegate or allow your living faith to become just a tradition or just something that you do or just a, a set of rules that you follow. And make sure that you, and this, this especially if you have been a follower of Jesus for, for a long time, if we're not careful, we begin to, to look at our life as a litmus test. Well, I'm a good Christian because look at all the stuff that I'm not doing, all this bad stuff that I'm not doing, all the good stuff that I'm doing. If we're not careful, we focus on all of that. And yes, those things are appropriate and right and good, but it really is about a relationship with the Lord in our life who is real today. I don't get excited in my relationship with my kids or my family about following the rules. You know, I remember when our kids, we lived in Potsdam. I'll give a shout out to the Buttons, our friends from Potsdam. And we would have at our dining room table, uh, we had 10 rules that we had to post on the wall. And one of them, I think it was number 10, I have to tell me is don't lick your knife, all right? That's a good rule for kids when they want to take the butter and do their thing and lick it and then stick it back in, you know? Don't lick the knife, right? Good rule. Are you with me? I mean, good rule. Family doesn't boil down to a set of rules, right? That's not what it's all about. I mean, there are rules that we follow because it's healthy and it's not gross, you know, kind of makes it tolerable. But it comes down to that relationship. That's what's important. And the Holy Spirit reveals that, illuminates our mind and our heart that's something that's real. For some of you that are trying to understand, you're like, okay, Sean, I get it. I know Jesus died. I know I need to believe, and I, I get this. But it's just not like, what's going on? I'm not getting this. Truly in your heart, 
There's got to be that grappling with you before God saying, God, I want to understand. I truly want to surrender my life to Jesus. Would you help me? And it's a surrendering of yourself to him. And as you do, the Holy Spirit becomes real and in your heart and in your life because he reveals all of that into your world. And as he does, this is the third thing, and I'm done. He not only reveals himself, but we receive him at that point. We receive him at the point of our salvation. He begins to inhabit our life. Look what verse 12 says. He explains this whole revealing thing a little bit deeper. He says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, and I'm thankful for that, but we've received the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. God. We all get packages and things from, uh, I was about to say Amazon, FedEx, UPS, mail, or whatever, right? We receive stuff. What's so cool is that we don't just receive salvation from God. And a little later on, when we get into the spiritual gifts, it's not just spiritual gifts that we receive from God. We receive God Himself and the Holy Spirit. Paul says, guys, you've received Him. Part of what is, again, he's laying this foundation to deal with this, all this other stuff that the church has had trouble with, and we'll talk about it when we hit later on in Corinthians, or a little bit further along. But he's like, guys, you should be excited. You have, the gift you get is the Holy Spirit. We receive him, and because we receive him, he, that's why we understand these things, that we might know. That's what verse 12 is talking about, that we might understand this stuff, not just abstract theory that we might really get it. I had calculus in, in uh, college and uh, I remember I asked Dan this a few months ago. I, I, saw, I said, what is that all about? Like, I don't even know what that's about. You know, I passed the class. I think I got a, I think I got a C the second time around. And, uh, and I still, afterwards, like, okay, I did what I was told to do, but I just didn't Get it. You know, you know what I mean? Like, there's a reason I'm not a mathematician. I'm not a math major. Like, okay, I can follow the rules and get the answer, but I have no concept of why that's the right answer. I don't even know what this was about. And he explained it to me, and I still don't get it. So I'm, I'm giving up. I'm moving on. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm bigger, better other things. God, the Holy Spirit, he's the one that reveals this to us so that we have a, an experiential knowledge, a knowing that you know that you know. You know, you know water's wet, not because somebody told you, not because somebody explained the, the formula to you. You know it's wet because you jumped in the pool. You jumped in the lake, or you probably got dunked when you were a kid, right? You, you've experienced that. You know that. And God wants us to not just know an abstract, theoretical, theological terms, you know, the things of God. He wants us to know those in simple words, by the way, which is one of the reasons why I don't use a lot of big words, but he wants us to experience those realities in the depths of our life, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. Notice that they're free. Free. That's a good word, isn't it? When we passed out the door hangers this week, the team passed out close to 2,500 door hangers. Uh, let me tell you, Tuesday was hot. I mean, like, you know, out there, burn the shoe on your, you know, the pavement. And they were out there with all the door hangers. And uh, 
And we talked to some people that are along the way. And, and one guy, I was, I was really proud of the team that came up. And one of the, I don't know, probably a 60-year-old man or so, was like, what is this? And he wanted it. He looked at our, our door hanger because we had, uh, you know, we put just the three locations for the block parties that we were doing. And yeah, it's just a free party for the community. We'd love for you to come. And he's like, free? Nothing's free. What do you mean free? And the kids kind of, you know, at that point, teenagers looking at, you know, I'm like, free, you know, like, what do you mean? What, there's got to be, and he's like, oh, I'm not interested, it's not free, you know, and he was actually pretty nice, the guy said, but, or the, the, the teenager said, but he didn't get it, it didn't compute. We know that in the world, nothing's free, but we truly do free things because God has freely given to us, but he has done this at no cost to you or me, free. All of the messages of salvation, the fact that you and I get God himself living in our life. Talk about first world problems. You know, all the little minor inconveniences that we have to put up with that we complain about. You know, I can't believe it's going to be 95 today. And, you know, my air conditioning is only getting me down to 80 in the house or whatever. I'm, I'm there with you. I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm at me too. Everything. I don't know how to say this, like Christian world problems, whatever, like God gave us himself. We should be happy with that. You know, that's good enough. Everything else is pretty much downhill, doesn't matter. He gave us himself. He gave us his salvation. He gave us, as we looked last week, his righteousness that he puts on our account. It's like he pays the bill for us. It's almost like the kid trying to get into college and gets the genius, you know, Einstein, to take the, the entrance exam for him. And after he cheats and gets in, it's like, I hope I don't get found out because now i got to sit in the classes. Jesus is our righteousness. He take, go, puts that on our account. And the cool thing is about it is, is God already knows, and we don't have to worry. We have his goodness on our account. He's our sanctification. Even as Christians, it's not that we earn our sanctification. It's not that we work up toward it. He already is our sanctification that he tells us in chapter 1. He is our freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. We don't earn it. We don't work toward it. We don't need to go get it. It's already there. And he tells us that all of that and more is freely given to us. And he wants us to know it. And it's the Holy Spirit through our whole life that more and more makes these things a reality into our daily life and daily world. See, here's a mistake you and I make. We forget this, and I still do it, and, and I bump into it, and I'm about convinced that I'll do it till the day I die, but I, I forget. Life goes on, car breaks down, run out of gas, get stuck on Western Ave thinking I'm about to get rear-ended, you know, oh no. I mean, all of that. And, and we look at our life so horizontally, and we get so fixated, what am I going to do about this problem? What am I going to do about this? How am I going to get ahead on that? How am I going to work that angle? How am I going to do this? And God is using all of that because he's trying to bring the truths of his realities, the things that are freely given to us, through those situations in our life. And the goal is not just for us to survive or just to make it. The goal is that he is giving us the knowledge and the experience of all of the realities through those things. And it's the Holy Spirit who's at work 24-7 doing that. Real life implication. This means you and I have hope today. Not hope tomorrow. We have hope today. Not an empty hope. Not a, well, I hope so. 
I hope the Yankees beat the Red Sox this year. Not that kind of hope. And dream on, by the way. But uh, you owe me for that one, Dave. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Not an empty hope. A genuine, like, God's got this. He's freely given me of himself and all of these things. There's security. There's hope. There's faith. There's in all areas of life, not just spiritually, not just eternally, but here right now. Because these things that he's given us, look carefully, they are things freely given us by God. It doesn't make it so clear in English, but he means that are given to us right now, not will be given. When you buy something online, if you don't, aren't familiar with it, you're looking at all the specs, right? I do that. Probably some of you, like, okay, I'm looking at all, depending on what it is, I want to know how much it weighs, I want to know all about it, right? What, what this is talking about is not that God says, hey guys, I want you to know about all the cool stuff that you're going to get when you get to heaven one day. Life's just really going to suck right now for you on this earth. You're just really not going to like it. It's going to be awful. But look at the cool stuff you're going to get when Christmas finally comes along and you end up in heaven. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is, is this stuff is what's freely given to us now. Today. Not just later on. Today. So as you look at your life, where is the Holy Spirit trying to reveal to you these truths of God through the situations, more specifically, through applying God's Word to the situations in your life. Let's face it, you and I, the situations we face are what have our attention, right? There's a lot of situations in the world, but you and I fixate, focus on, because they're personal, the things that involve us. Well, God has our attention in those situations. And more and more as we live our life, we're saying, okay, God, what do you want to do? And the Holy Spirit takes His Word, those truths, and He brings the depths of who God is, and He brings all of the incredible gifts that God has given to us, and He begins to reveal them and to make them real into our life through those situations. So what is God trying to teach you right now? How is God trying to reveal His incredible unfailing, eternal love for us, for you, right now? Where do you need to have hope in Him right now? Where do you need to thank God that even despite what circumstances look like, God, I trust you. You're revealing to me your power, your love. You're revealing to me your presence in my life. And this is painful, but I thank you. Thank you. One of the best things that God could do is to not allow you to go through life and to have such ease and comfort that you just kind of blow God off. One of the best things that God can do is to say, hey, you need me, not just for salvation, but you need to know more of me, and I want to know more of you. So let's walk this life together. So where is that in your life today? Maybe after this message, looking at this this morning, you've realized, you know what, Sean? I don't think I really have ever experienced that kind of relationship. I've just kind of, faith has been something you just kind of made in your head. Something that you just did as a routine. That's kind of what it was for me growing up as a, you know, a kid in church, you might say. And maybe your next step is for you to surrender your life to Jesus saying, 
Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to surrender. I do surrender my life to you. I turn from my sins. Jesus, would you save me from all of that junk? And God, would your Holy Spirit come and fill me and be a part of my life for all of eternity? Maybe that's your next step. Maybe you have already experienced that months ago, years ago. And maybe your next step is simply that, asking God forgiveness for ignoring Him. Maybe it's simply thanking Him. Maybe it's asking Him to teach you. Maybe it's simply saying, God, okay, I'm facing this situation. I kind of haven't been paying attention. I'm a little, little asleep at the switch. But God, what do you want me to know about you in the middle of this? Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.